0: by Simmons. Is this the Battleborn Phantom. Well, um, are we surprised? No, I didn't think so. Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Anselmo, here to talk to you guys today about your favorite team in the National Hockey League, your Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs took on the Buffalo Sabres last night at Scotiabank Arena, and they lost five two once again to the Buffalo Sabres. That is now Buffalo's third straight win against our Toronto Maple Leafs, giving them the season series three to one. Uh, and let's just say before we head into any recaps and any preview of tomorrow night's game, thank gosh we do not have to play the Buffalo Sabres in this year's playoffs because wow have they have the Leafs number this season, but even in years on and on. Now, for the last decade, I don't know what it is, Buffalo always plays up to the Leafs, and uh, it's really been noticeable this year as they are the only team to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs three times in 2021-2022. But with that, let's dive into the game now. It was a very offensive hockey game. Both teams wanting to trade chances with each other. This is a pattern we've seen with the Buffalo Sabres. They're completely comfortable with trading offensive swings with the Maple Leafs, and they have really been successful with it. I don't know what it is. Toronto has the better names, the better talent, the more money spent on the offensive players as well. And for some reason, it's Buffalo... That comes away with the results. It's a huge credit to them. Their compete level. Their work ethic. And all that stuff they put into this game. Is why they left with the two points. And they've done this in all three games so far. Including the Heritage Classic. For their three wins against the Maple Leafs. And it is something to take note of. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres. Like I said for over the last decade now. Have really played up to Toronto. So you know. This is no longer something random. This is a long term Look ahead here now. And this is another one of those games that the Leafs played down to their opponent. It's just as simple as that. We saw what happened with Arizona. We've seen what happens with the Ottawa Senators, the Montreal Canadiens as well, despite them beating them on Saturday. We know what happened in the two games prior to that. But it was just a weird game. It had a weird vibe to this game. And I don't know how to explain it perfectly, but I was at the game last night, Scotiabank Arena with my brother. We're both watching the game and it was a weird start. Matthews obviously... Uh, took the delay of game penalty early on, you know, we don't normally see him in the penalty box, so we're not going to be hard on him for that, so it was just unlucky, but the whole game really was just weird, like the passes were not crisp from the Maple Leafs, it looked as if almost they were gripping their sticks a little too tight, they were messing up a lot of the simple plays, and this was all all early on, and um, even Shogren, and I'm going to dive into the goaltending in just a few minutes, but this game was weird. The team was just, it looks like they were in their own head. And I think a lot of people knew with the way the Heritage Classic game ended and how the Buffalo Sabres were really amped up to play the Maple Leafs again and how excited Rasmus Dahlin was to go against the Maple Leafs again after what Matthews did to him. It looked as almost as if the Maple Leafs were, you know, lost at certain points. Like, this is a team that we're so used to seeing them make the simple plays and tonight they just didn't have it. All their passes were shaky, and uh, their even their offense was just not in that gel. And I'm a huge of Camp, and Engvall line guy, and Nylander was obviously switching in rotation uh, between that line and Tavares' line, and it was just weird. They couldn't get their groove, and um, you know you're you're gonna have some ups and downs. I love Sheldon Keith's comments after this game. Th- this team has done some amazing things this year. And people are going to nitpick at games like this. They're going to look at the loss against Arizona, the two losses to Montreal, the loss against the senators. They're going to nitpick at these games, but they have done a lot of good this season. I love Sheldon keeps comments on that. Cause you got to look at the big picture here. And like I said, thankfully the Buffalo Sabres are not in the playoffs this year. Cause wow, they've really had the Leafs number. Uh, the refs weren't helping either. You know, they were very hard on the Leafs. Uh, Buffalo did get two of their goals on four power play opportunities. Uh, The Morgan Riley penalty to me was the one that stuck out. I think that was a little unfair Um, and they weren't really giving the Leafs any leeway. So obviously the refs weren't helping, but that's no excuse. This was clearly on the Maple Leafs tonight and uh, the Sabres just wanted it more. They had the higher compete level throughout the game. They were first on the four check, Uh, you know, their passes were simple. They were making the simple plays look easy. And really, they just found a way to frustrate Toronto. They just did. Whether that be their physicality, uh, Samuelson, uh, left-handed D of the Buffalo Sabres were going around trucking guys. Uh, Fitzgerald was a guy that we saw do that in games prior against the Maple Leafs. So they played rough. They were physical. But it just wasn't the same Leafs uh, tonight. It just wasn't. And right from puck drop, you could see but with that, let's go into the goaltending now because I did say I was going to mention that. Eric Shogren had a really tough night in my opinion. 852 save percentage, a minus 1.46 goals saved above expected. He gave up four goals against for 23 saves. Shogren, you know, a lot of overreactions when he first came up after his first two games. A lot of people said this was going to be Biddington 2.0. I always tried to keep people that listen to this podcast a little more level grounded the reality of shogren maintaining that level over you know a substantial amount of time was definitely unlikely and we're seeing these results now and these are just mediocre goaltending at best from him and tonight it really was a factor in the negatives um his positioning on the okaposo goal i was breaking down the game uh this morning and if you slow down the tape shalgren was too slow moving to the left side after the cross ice pass to oposo and when you give kyle an opportunity with the puck on his stick right there with the clear shooting lane and he has all that room upstairs on the glove side with a guy that's really transformed his game into a shooter mentality this year oposo is gonna find the back of the net and he made no mistake of that ripping one upstairs on eric shalgren and Shogren played real deep in his net there. If he's a little bit higher on his crease, he might have a better chance of saving that. But I really think if he was sharp in his movement to the left side, he probably could have had that one. But it was a great shot by Kyle, so nothing to take away from that. Um it wasn't, you know, an absolute awful goal that Shogren gave up. I just if you go down and break it up, you could see that Shawgren probably could have had that. Then with that, we go to the goal of Rasmus Dalin. And he was too active when he committed to, I think it was Rasmus Asplin who had the puck at the time. And he looked across uh, the zone again and he found Rasmus Dalene back door. And he was just dead in his stance. Uh, Schalgren was too active on the play. He was clearly beat once the pass went to Dalene. And um, that's a Peter Morazic type goal that we saw there. And I, I'm I'm a Peter Morazic believer. I know he's had a tough season. I still think we're going to see some good from Morazic. But. That's exactly what happens with Marazic. He gets too active in his crease and he gets lost. And Shalgren was really, really at the top of his crease there. And once that puck landed on Darlene's stick, from where I was sitting at Scotiabank Arena, you saw how much net and space he had. That was a goal 100 times out of 100. So, you know, then you look at the other side. Craig Anderson made 24 stops tonight on 26 shots. He kept things quiet for the Sabres. And that's why I wanted this guy at the deadline. He just keeps the puck out of your net. And yes, he's not going to make the flashy plays. Although that save he made on Mikheyev, which could have changed this whole game. If that goes in there, the Leafs would have been down only one goal with about, I think it was like five minutes to go. That would have been crucial if that went in for the Maple Leafs. But what a stop from Craig Anderson. And this is, Like I just said, like 20 seconds ago, this is why I wanted him at the deadline. He's not a big name. You know, he's a veteran. He's older now. Despite his great playoff numbers, uh, I think everybody forgets that, you know, this is a guy that you could have given an asset to Buffalo to have probably. Although, yes, they probably respected his word and I'm sure he wasn't trying to come to Toronto, but this guy did a great job tonight. He's done a great job against the Leafs in all his appearances. Even at the Heritage Classic, he played real solid. And um, you know, this is what I've been saying: like a guy like Craig Anderson, who doesn't have the name anymore. He used to be a top goaltender, but just really, really gave the Buffalo Sabres a chance. And that's what happens when you play a game like this, where you're trying to trade offensive opportunities with the other team. And this is what's going to be important in the series against the Florida Panthers. If you want to trade blow for blow, swing for swing, you need to make sure you're getting the saves because that's what we saw at the start of the year at the Maple Leafs. And that's why they started off the season so hot after the loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. When they came back home, everything went good from there and that's because the goaltending was the focal point on the defensive side of things. Yes, the defense needs to get better. It has grown dramatically since the trade deadline. The addition of Giordano has been awesome, but you need goaltending. You just do, and if that's Jack Campbell as the answer or Peter Morazic when he comes back, you need to know that if you're going to trade offensive opportunities with these offensive teams that you need to get those saves. So with that... You know, like I said, going back to the Craig Anderson save, that save was a huge momentum booster for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, right after that, the Leafs really didn't have a chance. Um, Buffalo was just playing low-event hockey, keeping the puck out of their zone. And uh, once Sheldon Keith decided to pull uh, Schallgren to get the extra attacker, it looked like a lazy play on Willie Nylander and Mark Giordano, as that probably should have been an icing, but they glided back to the zone and the Buffalo Sabres forward, I think it was Rasmus Asplin, beat the icing, and ends up taking the puck off them to find the back net for the empty netter. So, that was a frustrating play. Obviously, a lot of criticism on Nylander, and, um, you know, I thought he did all right tonight. Definitely not good. Definitely not the Nylander we saw at the start of the year, but that goal on Lilligren, he brought the puck into the zone, and if he doesn't throw that back to the point in which he did, then uh, the Leafs don't get that goal there, and I think that's an underrated play from him, and sometimes he just does those little plays that aren't on Center or the top 10 highlights, but he is crucial to this Maple Leafs team, and that's just him picking up another assist on the season. But with that, Austin Matthews lost his 16-game point streak. Same with Mitch Marner, who lost his 13-game point streak. Uh, Matthews, he just wasn't shooting like usual, and it was weird because, you know, Matthews, two goals away from 60, Everybody in the crowd kept talking about it. The person I was sitting beside just wouldn't stop bringing it up. The two goals, and uh, that's all he would need. And, you know, it felt weird because you kind of had the feeling he was going to get at least one because of how good he's played this season. And, you know, that's crazy to even think that it just feels weird when, when he doesn't score. But uh, I don't know what it was. He just looked a little bit off his game. We know how the situation went with Buffalo in the Heritage Classic. That did. That was the game that he cross-checked Darlene in the neck to give him his two-game suspension. Um, you know, you could tell he wanted to be more of the focal point in terms of playmaking in this game. And I just I don't think that's his game, and I don't think he should have to change his game. I don't know if that's something that he's trying to do, or maybe if the media was in his head too much. But like the two-one-one with an opportunity uh, with bunting on the other side. And yes, I know he hit bunting and he loves giving credit to him and everything he's done this year, but that's a shot that we see Matthews take 10 times out of 10 usually. And tonight he decides to pass that and it didn't work out. Puck turns the other way and the Leafs get caught on transition for Buffalo to score again. So opportunities like that were just weird tonight. That's what I mean. Had a weird vibe in this game. He had an opportunity where Craig Anderson did not see the puck at all and he was just... You know, flatten his crease and just trying to make himself as big as possible. And it just luckily hit him. But he had no eyes on that puck. And that could have went in if Matthews just placed it in a little bit of a different spot. But, you know, Matthews wasn't the awesome Matthews that we've seen all season long tonight. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the media. Maybe it was the pressure of the two goals away. But definitely was not shooting the puck as per usual. Only finished with four shots on goal in this game, which is still amazing. But, um, you know, we just saw him get, like, what, 12 in the last game or something. So, definitely not what we're used to. Um, you know, every pass, like I said, it was uneven. It wasn't crisp right from the get-go. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres were more driven. They uh, were first on the four-check. And that oak post goal was, it was a killer early on for the Leafs' momentum. And the building was pretty quiet for a large part of this game. Up until... Maple Leaf started putting more of an effort, and which saw Lilligren's goal. Um, you know, Lilligren's a guy going to touch up on the end because that's the one positive from this game. Uh, but with that, let's go to John Tavares before we get to Lilligren. And John Tavares, you know, I love him. Johnny Toronto, captain of this franchise. Um, he had a tough night. He had a tough night. He played 19 minutes and 15 seconds tonight. Zero shots on goal. Three hits. He was successful in the faceoff circle winning 10 of 13 but his expected goals 17.7%. His Corsi 40%. His Fenwick was only a 28.6%. He was a minus 1 in the plus minus category to give you guys an idea of the those analytics if you're not familiar because I know some people are some people are not. I'm not here to judge um you know I'm just a new learner into analytics as well this year. I've really driven into it and you can teach yourself it. So if it is overwhelming, um, I promise you guys, you can simplify it. Just do some research and you can really learn how great of a tool this is when talking about hockey. And with that, like I said, for you guys, just to get an idea, the only person that had worse offensive numbers in those analytical categories was Ilya Labushkin. So you know, I'm, I wasn't really surprised being there at the game. You hardly saw Tavares in a lot of events, and that's not good. And obviously, he's had his hot and cold streaks, and, you know, a lot of people were criticizing him for his goal drought, but I don't really think that that was that much of, you know, a scare. But if you see Tavares kind of ghost like this in the postseason, that's when you should really be scared because he's still getting points left and right. It's just, you know, he gets in these cold streaks sometimes where it's really hard to notice him. And for his price tag and all that, I love Tavares. Don't get me wrong. Like, trust me, I'm not a Tavares hater at all, Uh, but you do need to see more from him. And tonight was a game where the Leafs needed him to step up when Austin Matthews is not clicking and those are going to happen. Yes, he is the greatest Leafs player in franchise history, and he's well on pace to destroy that conversation. And I have. Complete respect for everybody that's played before him. But when Matthews is not clicking, he's human. He's going to have a bad night. He's going to have a night where things are not going his way. He just lost his 16-game point streak. Nobody even talks about that. Like, that's absurd. When McDavid was doing that at the start of the year, it was everywhere. But now that Matthews was doing it, not a peep, just about the goals. Rightly so. 51-50. and Absolutely insane. But sometimes you're not going to have your night... And tonight was one of those nights and John Tavares needs to be the guy that next man up to step up on offense. And he just wasn't there. And Mitch Marner too, not his best night. His passing wasn't like we've seen it, The team just looked sloppy. It did. A lot of the passes were not man, like not tape to tape at all. Uh, there was plays where Justin Hall looked like his compete level was just zero. He, that, 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 Goal, I forget. I think it was the Skinner goal where he looks like he has a chance to swat that puck away and just looks like he gave the right to him and they turn around and score. And it's frustrating for sure, especially being there. Um, But you know, this team has done a lot of great things this year, so it's hard to be critical and stuff like that. But with that, let's go to a positive. Let's just wrap up this recap here with a bit of a positive. And that is Timothy Liliogren. And Liliogren, wow, he was flying around the ring tonight. And yes, I'm not saying that because he scored a a lucky goal, actually. That bounced right off Craig Anderson's pad. If Craig Anderson's pad was not there, that does not go in. I think it misses the crease, so he got lucky there. He finished with four shots on goal, four hits, and 19 minutes and nine seconds of ice time. He played alongside Morgan Riley. That pairing was the best pairing for the Leafs tonight by far. They were plus two in the plus-minus category, 14 shots for, 12 against, 53% Corsi, and a 55% Fenwick. So obviously that means that the puck was in Buffalo zone most of the time when they were on, you know, that's obviously expected. Those are two, I guess, more offensive minds than the Leafs have on the back end here. But, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a pairing long-term. It, I get a little bit nervous with Lilligran playing top minutes, especially going into the playoffs, although I love his growth that he's taken this season and all his analytical data is pointing to him having a monster uh you know growth to being a full-time nhl blue liner but i I just i just worry about him on the top line especially going into the postseason i like leo bushkin there as the best fit for morgan riley because he plays a more sound boring type hockey game to let morgan riley explore the offensive zone but morgan riley two apples in this game really exploded offensively so maybe this is a fit i'm not going to say change it right away Obviously, Washington comes to town tomorrow night, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do against a team like the Washington Capitals because the Washington Capitals are a very good hockey team, folks. And with that, let's dive into the pregame. Some Capitals talk now. The Washington Capitals are the oldest team in hockey, for you guys that don't know, uh, but they do have some really young goaltending. Um, Vanecek and Samsonov, they are kind of that 1A-1B combo um, I think in my opinion, uh, Samsonov is the guy by like a hair maybe. And that's obviously, you know, first round pick pedigree, uh, really, really young. Still, a lot of people think Vanacek's getting this start. Um, Vanacek's numbers, this series, 18, 11, and five, a 2.58 goals against average, a 912 save percentage with three shutouts. Vanacek, he's a guy that nobody really expected to jump into the NHL. Um, you know, he's only 26 years old. Uh, he was drafted in the second round, 39th overall by the Capitals. He was expected to be the goalie for Hershey, the AHL team in Washington. Um, he was expected to be their starter long-term, but last year with the situation with Henrik Lundqvist and Sam being the only goalie on the roster and, uh, Holtby obviously leaving to go to Vancouver, there was an open spot, which Vanacek took and never looked back. This year, you know, he's played in 37 games, 35 started, twice in relief. He's, ha- he's had an okay season, but I still think Washington's trying to get the most out of Ilya Samsonov. And um, let me get Samsonov's numbers up here now. Uh, Samsonov, in 39 games played, has a 2.93 goals against average, an 8.99 save percentage with three shutouts on the year. Obviously, his save percentage number has taken a huge hit from seasons prior, but he did have a really slow start to the season, like slow, slow start, and uh, once Vanacek got hurt, actually, I I think it was March, at the start of March or late February, and he started getting more consecutive starts, he really found his ground, and he's been playing really good hockey ever since, so... The Washington Capitals' record on the year is 41, 22, and 10. They're fourth in the Metro, obviously, in that wildcard spot. In net for the Leafs tomorrow, Jack Campbell. He's 27, 9, and 5. A 2.72 goals against Average. A nine-twelve save percentage with four shutouts. Um, this team, yes, I mentioned they're in a wildcard spot. They have had a weird season, up and down. Clearly, a playoff team for sure. They are a step above. Teams like the New York Islanders and Detroit Red Wings. But Oshi called a team meeting in the month of March. And it really revitalized this team season. They just dropped 9 goals on Philadelphia yesterday in a 9-2 victory. And a lot of this is obviously because of Ovechkin. And Ovi's still performing at the highest level even at age 36. He has 46 goals. He's 4 goals away from 50 at age 36. And obviously, he has 776 career goals-wise. So he's close to Gordie Howe. And, um, you know, it's just incredible, incredible um, to see Ovechkin do what he's doing. And I have so much respect for him. Obviously, as I grew up, it was always him and Crosby as the focal points of the NHL. And I got to say, both these guys are still really good NHL players. I think they are so underrated now. Nobody really talks about both these guys, but these guys are still lights-out hockey players. And when they're on their game, they are so hard to stop. We just saw what Crosby did on the weekend, and Ovechkin, same with him, and even last night in Philly. So these two guys, they're still dominant in this game. They're still dominant in this league, and uh, they're so fun to watch. So I can't wait to see Matthews against Ovechkin, two of the best goal scorers in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. But like I said... The Washington Capitals, they are turning it on as of late. I think a lot of that's due to Mantha's return. Uh, He's been crucial. Obviously, he's not lighting up the stat sheet. He does have three points in two games, though. But he's, you know, a big body. Uh, He can play both wings. He's on the power play. Uh, He has that, you know, sniping ability. So that's why I'm going to talk about later, cutting down the shooting lanes. is going to be important for the Maple Leafs. But uh, Anthony Mantha's return has definitely provided a spark for the Capitals. But another thing that's providing a spark for them and their four-game winning streak here is their defensive scoring depth. And I know it's kind of weird. Dmitry Orlov, really underrated defenseman. He did miss the game last night in Philly. Uh, I think he's going to be a game-time decision tomorrow night against the Maple Leafs. But Dmitry Orlov, when he's in the lineup, he has an underrated skill set offensively. So definitely something to watch out for. But the guy that's replacing him and replacing him last night is Matt Irwin. We all know him. Veteran. Uh, depth defenseman. He was on the score sheet last night against the Flyers, so good for him. Uh, but also, guys like Martin Faravari Fer- and um, Nick Jensen, those guys have been pri- providing a little bit of offense as well. And when you have scoring depth coming from the back end of your decor, um, you know you're doing pretty well uh, in the win column because if you get goals from your back end, then you know that your team's scoring a lot of goals. And usually, when you score a lot of goals, that translates to victories. So that's going to be something to watch out for. We know the Leafs decor has potential to do the same potential to be one of the highest scoring defensive units in the league, especially when Rasmus Sandin's playing, although he will not be playing tomorrow night, but guys like Morgan Riley, Mark Giordano, even TJ Brody sometimes finds his way offensively like that three point game he had against the Ottawa senators. But another thing to note about the Washington Capitals is their bottom line contributions have been really important in these last four wins. Lars Eller looks like he's like right on his game right now. He's had a tough season, ups and downs, ebbs and flows. But right now, Lars Eller is playing some good hockey. So is Marcus Johansson, though. That was a guy I wanted to Leafs to look at at the trade deadline. Obviously, his second stint with Washington now. He just found the score sheet on the weekend, his first goal with the Washington Capitals since the deadline underrated move here he could play on the wing and inside and uh, we all know what he did with his time here in the metropolitan division so i mean sorry in the metropolitan division over here in the eastern conference so marcus johansson definitely a guy to watch out for and um you know definitely the bottom six for the maple leafs is going to have to match the offensive production from the capitals if they want to have a chance in this one uh so Another thing to know is the away and home records. So the away record for the Capitals, obviously best team on the road this year, 22, seven and five. The Maple Leafs home record is 26, eight and two. So this is going to be a really good battle. Um, Both hockey teams are fighting for these two points. Um, Obviously Washington's jockeying for a position uh, to get out of that wild card, but the Leafs need this win to stay away from the wild card because I really hope to land that number two spot. Obviously, I would love to win the division, but I don't think they do that. So to have the number two slot, I think is perfect. And I hope they keep winning games and stay in that spot because home ice advantage in round one is really important. And if the Maple Leafs want a chance against a team, perhaps like the Tampa Bay Lightning, home ice advantage is going to be important. But my three keys to the game now is first up 5v5 play. These are two teams that don't take a lot of penalties. Leafs power play is still a heavy advantage. It's ranked number one in the league. Washington's ranked 20th, but Washington's special teams have been getting better and better as bodies come back into the lineup. And that's why I mentioned Anthony Manta, you know, bigger forward has an awesome shot. Marcus Johansson's acquisition. He's a nifty forward. Um, You know, gives them that underrated skill set on the power play can open up the game. So, it's important that the Leafs dominate the 5v5 play. It's also important to mention that the Leafs are 0-10 on the power play since coming back to Scotiabank Arena on Saturday night. So they're, they've been back-to-back games now 0-5, which is important to note because we need this power play to be clicking at a red-hot pace when we enter game one of this year's playoffs. Uh, but with that, another uh, key to, uh, to tomorrow night's game is taking the shooting lanes away. And, you know... Alex Ovechkin, he usually really steps up his performance in Toronto. I don't know what it is. He loves to score in Toronto. So taking the shooting way, uh, shooting lanes away from Ovechkin is going to be important. Guys like Tom Wilson also, you know, from the area, always seem to play good in Toronto. Um, taking shooting lanes away from guys like this is going to be important. And as I said again, Anthony Manta for the third time on this podcast, really underrated shot. We know what he did with his time with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, He's really battled injuries, hasn't played with Washington for a full-string healthy slate to evaluate him and his play in Washington now enough. But he is a really, really talented hockey player. And taking shooting lanes away from a team like the Washington Capitals is how you find success. And that's even guys like John Carlson who run the power play. We saw what he did when the Leafs played them just a couple weeks ago in Washington. So taking shooting lanes away, being physical on the defensive side of things, and uh, being aggressive when defending is going to be important. And with that, the third key for tomorrow night's game is stay focused on your puck possession-based game. And I can't say this enough. When teams decide to you know, take it up a notch physically, and we know Washington loves to do this, especially having Tom Wilson at any point in the game, they like to step it up. Not as much as a team like the Islanders when they're losing, they just like to go complete mayhem. But the Washington Capitals are a physical hockey team. They're very hard on the forecheck. They love to throw their body around. So anything can get in the Leafs' head uh, as small as a Tom Wilson complete crushing of a forward, which we've seen in the past, actually. So Tom Wilson, we know that he's a clown. He's definitely going to go out there and try and do some stuff and stir it up if the Leafs do get off to a hot start. So please stay focused on your puck possession-based game. You can dominate the faceoff circle as you've been doing in most games prior to this one because the Washington Capitals are not very good on faceoff, So that is something to take advantage of. The puck possession-based game is usually successful for the Leafs. They didn't really go to it much against the Buffalo Sabres last night. It was more of an offensive swing versus swing. So if the Leafs are able to hold and maintain the puck, they're going to find success against a team like the Washington Capitals. No matter who's in goal, if that's Ilya Samsonov or Vitek Vanacek. And with that, let's just wrap up today's episode with some notes. First up, Leafs general manager Kyle Dubas met with Matthew Nice today in Minnesota. Nice will take some time to make his decision on whether to stay another year at the U of Minnesota or sign with the Maple Leafs. Obviously, that was credit to TSN's Darren Drager uh, for his tweet. And another thing I want to mention, and I'll kind of talk about these in a second, but on the 32 Thoughts podcast, posted on Monday morning, um, they did confirm the Leafs' interest in Detroit Red Wings forward Tyler Bertuzzi. And Tyler Bertuzzi, I'll start with him first. We know kind of that double-edged sword. He's physical. He has a, a real, real eye for the offensive zone. He can score goals. He can fight. I can see why he's the ideal candidate to play here in Toronto, but obviously Friedman talked about, you know, the vaccination status of him and all that stuff made it really hard for the Maple Leafs, but this is a guy to look at in the off season potentially. And if they do trade a forward like William Nylander, maybe a guy like Bertuzzi's that replacement on offense. Obviously if they did move Nylander, I would have to think a right-handed defenseman that's on the right age of 30 would be coming back. So Tyler Bertuzzi, interesting name to watch out for. But now to go to Matthew Nyes and Darren Drager's tweet. Matthew Nyes, we all know he's probably the Leafs' highest regarded prospect in their system now. He did some awesome things with the University of Minnesota. So I can see why he wants to go back to the NCAA to try and win a national title with Minnesota. But Matthew Nyes making his debut in Toronto this season and going into the playoffs is really important because I think he can provide a different spark. To the Maple Leafs bottom six, here he's really good at creating space for himself. He's a bigger body, uh, he would fit right in perfectly. And with that, speaking about you know, an under uh, sorry, an unsigned prospect, when the Leafs signed Nick Abruzzi, I liked his game last night. And yes, his ice time isn't you know a lot, so it's hard to really take note of him. But his last shift in yesterday's game, I think it was about four minutes left where he took the puck up. Through the neutral zone, cutting in with speed. Uh, he almost got to the net, just unlucky. But if he can keep that up, I would like to see his ice time, you know, improve a little more. Obviously, playing with guys like Jason Spezza and Wayne Simmons or whoever you want to throw on the line, uh, down there in the bottom six that he plays with on the fourth line. Sometimes it's Clifford, Blackwell. It's tougher for a guy like him to play, as, you know, a small speed game. Sort of what we said with Nick Robertson. Obviously, I think Nick Robertson makes more of an impact than a Brucey right now. So if the playoffs were to start today, I'd rather have seen Nick, but uh, a Brucie, you know, he did well yesterday in his limited ice time. And I'm just hoping that, you know, it just keeps going up because I think he deserves it. Uh, he works hard and he just needs a little bit more growth into his body before he becomes a full-time real NHL top nine forward. So with that, the transformation, the growth in his development is on the right pace. So I'm okay with that. And uh, tomorrow night, Just to wrap it up, it's going to be physical. It's going to be tough. These are two teams that really want these two points here. Uh, Austin Matthews versus Alex Ovechkin. Battle of the pure goal scorers. Um, It is going to be an offensive shootout. Like I said, both teams give up a crazy amount of shots on goal. Both teams' focal point of problems is probably goaltending, respectively to both Samsonov versus Jack Campbell, or if that's Vitek Vanacek. It is going to be an offensive thriller. So, 5v5 play is going to be important. Stay to your puck possession based game, and the Leafs should be successful. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode of the Battleborne Leafs podcast. I wish you all the best. Go, Leafs, go. And let's hope that they take home the two points tomorrow night against the very good Washington Capitals.